733. Let's get started. So um, we're going to sit uh, for about 25 or so minutes. Um, but before uh, we do the sitting, I want to read um, a, a brief text written by Zen teacher Ezra Beda. Um, and uh, as a way to kind of inform the sitting that we're going to do. Um, and then uh, if you haven't, uh, I think everyone here has meditated before, but um, in case there's anyone here who's relatively new to meditation practice, um, don't worry, once we do the guided, once we start the guided meditation, just listen along, follow along, and, um, and, uh, and then we'll have a chance to talk a bit after the sitting. Okay. Um, actually, after the sitting, I'll probably say a few words about um, a few different lines in this text I'm about to read. So please just get comfortable. Um, just uh, listen to the to these these thoughts about um, the nature of practice, meditation practice, and um, when we sit, see if um, you can make some of these words come alive for you uh, in your own practice. So this text is called Saying Yes. It's written by Ezra Beda. Early in my practice from studying Nietzsche, I learned the expression saying yes to life. But saying yes is not just a philosophy or an affirmation. Saying yes is an existential response to life, especially when it is difficult. It is about a willingness to enter into and to feel what our life actually is. This involves the essential element of curiosity, simply wanting to know the truth of the moment, even when part of us is telling us to turn away. Every moment of resistance, and resistance is ongoing for all of us, is an example of saying no. No, I don't want to feel that. No, I don't want to be present with that. This is why saying yes with curiosity is essential. Being truly curious means we're willing to say yes to even the hard parts, instead of indulging the no of our habitual resistance. Saying yes doesn't mean we like our experience or that we necessarily even feel accepting of it. It doesn't even mean that we override the no Saying yes simply means that we pay attention, meticulous attention to the no. It means we're no longer resisting the people, things and fears that we don't like. Instead, we're learning to lean into them in order to experience what's actually going on. We are no longer so caught up in me and my difficulty, more able to relate to the difficulty from a larger sense 
of what life is. Ultimately, practice requires the implicit understanding that whatever situation or emotion we can't say yes to is the exact direction of our path. So if anxiety arises, we don't have to fight it, nor do we need to fix it. In fact, instead of viewing it as a problem, we simply pause, acknowledge it, and then say hello to it, which means welcoming it with curiosity as an opportunity to work with our own particular edge. <clears throat> Remember, we don't have to like the anxiety. We just need to feel it as the physical experience that it is. And when we rest in it, we can learn from it. Sometimes it seems that we just can't say yes to our experience. Perhaps the experience is too powerful or too overwhelming. The voice of fear says no. It warns us to close off and defend ourselves. But another part of us says yes, calling us to open and to connect. And the way we do this is by breathing the uncomfortable sensations directly into the center of the chest on the in-breath. Then on the out-breath, simply breathing out, allowing us to possibly experience the healing power of the heart. The fundamental point is that until we become intimate with our difficulties and fears, until we can welcome them with curiosity, they will always limit our ability to love. In other words, the path of living from genuine kindness requires giving our willing attention to the very things that seem to block the way to it. So please get into a comfortable position for meditation practice. And take a few deep breaths, breathing in through the nose, feeling the upper body fill up deeply with air and exhaling slowly through your slightly open mouth, letting the exhalation be nice and slow and long. Please just take a few more deep breaths in this way, in through the nose and out through your slightly open mouth. As you're breathing in, feel the back lengthen. Allow your head to float up towards the ceiling. You might even imagine your spine as like a balloon, a long thin balloon that your inhalation is filling up with air. And as you exhale, 
you might imagine your spine as being like a coat rack and the rest of your body just hanging from it. The coats and sweaters and scarves hung up for the evening. Now let your mouth come to a close. Just breathe in and out through the nose. And you can just let the breath now come and go its own pace, no longer intentionally lengthening the breath in any way. Just letting the breath find its own rhythm and depth. Let your awareness go to your bottom, your behind. Feel the contact that your body is making with the seat beneath you. Feel the sensations produced by the contact between your bottom and the seat beneath you. Let your awareness move up into your lower back. Just feel whatever sensations there are there. Either side of the lower spinal column. And the muscles and tissue that radiate out left and right from there. You feel any tension or holding in the muscles of the lower back. Just invite that area to soften, just to relax. And see if you can feel any movement in the lower back associated with your breath. As you breathe in and out, can you feel any movement in the lower back? Any expansion, any contraction? Now let your awareness move up to the upper back, especially the area between your two shoulder blades. 
What sensations do you feel there in and around the shoulder blades? And can you feel any movement here in the upper back associated with the breath? When you inhale, can you feel a expansion in the upper back as your lungs expand? Now, please bring your awareness to the inside of your nostrils. Just feel the sensations produced in the nose as you breathe in and out, as your breath passes over the soft tissue in your nose, as it enters and exits your body. The sensations of the breath in the nose may be very subtle at first. Just stay with them and they'll become clear over time. Can you feel how the inhalation is cooler than the exhalation? And let your awareness of the breath and the nose become as granular, as textured as possible, noting the subtle changes in the sensations there, the beginning to the middle to the end of each breath. Let's bring our awareness now to the center of the chest, the breastbone or sternum area. And just feel whatever sensations there are there that are associated with the breath. As you breathe in and out, as the chest rises and falls, there'll be a slight movement that affects the sternum area. How do the sensations there feel as you breathe in? and breathe out.
sensations may be of tension or tightness or warmth, tenderness, or something else. There's no right or wrong. Just feel how it is. And as we did with the sensations in the nose, notice how the sensations in the center of the chest change, even if only just a bit, moment by moment, throughout the course of each in-breath and out-breath. Even if what you're experiencing is tension or tightness, notice the the quality of that tension is different moment by moment. Now let's bring our awareness into the belly and just feel whatever sensations there are in the belly. Do you feel any movement of the belly as you breathe in and out? Don't force the belly to move with the breath. It's okay if the belly is not moving much at all. Some of us will breathe more in the chest That's okay. Just notice whatever kind of movement there is in the belly, even if it's just very slight. But also just notice what other kinds of sensations there are in the belly area. Tingliness, tension, different kinds of emotions. Let your awareness be soft and open, just receiving whatever the belly has to offer. Now please let your awareness widen so that you can feel the breath in the nose, the chest, and the belly all at once. 
See if you can feel the sensations in the nose, chest, and belly simultaneously. If you can't, it's okay. Just let your awareness move gently from one to the other spot. First in the nose, then the chest and the belly, rotating through them. With practice, you'll begin to be able to feel the breath in all three areas at the same time. Now, while you continue to feel the sensation of the breath in this way, please widen your awareness further so that you can also hear all the sounds in the space around you. Not listening for particular sounds or trying to identify sounds, You're just opening your awareness up so that you are aware of whatever sounds might be occurring in your environment, in the room you're in, in the building you're in. feeling the breath and listening to sound. Now, while you continue following the breath and listening to sounds in this way, I'd like you to widen your awareness yet again to include the sensations in your hands. What do you feel in your hands, the palms of your hands, the backsides of your hands, up and down your fingers? Just notice all the sensations that there are to be experienced 
in your hands, wherever your hands may be resting. And see if you can fold this awareness of your hands into an awareness of the breath and of the sounds around you. You may not be able to hold all three spots in awareness at the same time. And if that's, and if you can't, don't worry, just let your awareness move gently in a leisurely way from spot to spot, pausing first with the breath, then listening to sounds, then feeling your hand. Just cycle through these three different anchors and with practice and over time, more and more you will have moments where you can sense all three spots simultaneously. Very naturally, from time to time, thoughts will distract you, become lost in fantasy, be pulled away into trains of thinking. Notice how when that happens, you can't hear much of what's going on around you. When we are absorbed in our thinking, We are less aware of the reality of the present moment. The sounds around us will recede from awareness. Just notice that. And then bring your awareness back to the sounds. Let the sounds around you bring you back to the present moment.
by engaging in this practice, we're not trying to achieve anything. We're not trying to feel a particular way. We're just trying to come back to the present moment using the sensations of the breath, sensations of the hands, and the sounds around us, as anchors to ground us in the reality of this moment right now, how things are for us. As part of this experience of presence, we may become aware of thoughts or feelings or sensations that we don't particularly like, that we don't want to experience, things that we want to say no to. I don't want this. I don't want to be present with this. As the reading suggested, try to say yes to the no. Pay careful attention to what it feels like to not want a particular kind of experience, not want to be present to something. By doing that, we're actually deepening our presence, becoming present to our resistance to the present. Explore that feeling with curiosity, what it feels like to not want to feel a certain way. How does the breath feel in your nose, in your chest, in your belly?
Can you hear all the sounds around you right now? And can you feel the sensations in your hand? How do they feel? And we say yes to whatever this moment holds for us. Okay, that's good for this sitting. Please feel free to move around, get comfortable, to stretch, take a drink.
Natalie, it's nice to see you. It's been a long time. It's really good to see you too. So um, I'm going to open it up in a few minutes um, for questions, comments from all of you. But I just want to um, turn back to the text that I began the evening with and just read, I don't know, like four or five different sentences in it to kind of just... Um, emphasize certain, I think, important points that Ezra was making in this text. Um, one is just this phrase, resistance is ongoing for all of us. I think it's just so important to, to acknowledge um, kind of prevalence um, of resistance. Uh, it's not, practice is not about somehow just getting over one's resistance and then just accepting what's going on. But I think much more centrally about working with resistance itself. Um, so we could have this kind of uh, ideal that somehow we would just be able to accept whatever's happening. Like this is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be able to achieve outlook where everything is happening is okay but the path to that kind of acceptance goes by way of actually accepting the fact that resistance is ongoing for all of us much of our experience will be no saying not yes saying but no i don't want this i don't want to feel that i don't want to be like this um and so um just acknowledging that um, is, I think, the, the first most important thing we can do. And then once we do that, the whole field of resistance opens up as a space of possibility, opportunity, um, not as a problem, but rather as, oh yeah, of course, of course resistance is here. So what does this particular form of resistance feel like? What does it feel like to not want this feeling, not, not want this part of myself, um, not, not want this thought, not want this emotion. Um, so much of our experience is of picking and choosing, wanting to hold on to certain things, but I think even more wanting to push certain things away. I know this is true for me. Um, and it's not about becoming somehow pure and getting over that, but actually using that um, as, I think, uh, the kind of the, the terrain in which we practice mindfulness, we practice awareness. This is what we are learning to be aware of. And then when we can really be aware of that resistance without, in a way, resisting the resistance, without trying to push the fact that we have resistance away, um, trying to sublimate it, trying to use meditation to kind of transcend it, right? Um, then 
our relationship to that resistance changes. The nature of the resistance itself can start to change. Um, but it's only by way of opening to it, exploring it with curiosity, not trying to get rid of it. Um, in both like, rude ways, like I really, sometimes we're just like, I don't want this, get away. But sometimes it's just very subtle. We can be very pure about it, like, oh, oh, I'm okay, I can accept everything. You know, I can just let everything be, tell ourselves that like, we're okay with everything. But are we really, um, or are we trying to, um, you know, uh, are we identifying with some kind of image of what it means to be a pure and spiritual person? Um, which is just a detour. And eventually we're gonna have to just come up against the kind of like kind of simple truth that there are a lot of things that we just do not want. Um, but then we can just get off the pedestal and not try to be all holy and spiritual about our inner resistances, then things can start to move, things can start to shift. Um, and so this is like a little bit later, Ezra says this, saying yes to resistance simply means that we pay attention, meticulous attention to the no, to the quality of the no. What does it feel like? Where do we feel it in the body? Um, what kind of thoughts come up when we say no? What kind of tone of voice does this no have? Um, what makes us want to crawl out of our skin, right? Or just the more subtle ones. Uh, maybe it's not that dramatic, but how do all these different ways that we say no feel um, throughout the day, also when we're on the cushion? Um, a little bit later, so, so Ultimately, practice requires the implicit understanding that whatever situation or emotion we can't say yes to is the exact direction of our path. So if anxiety arises or any kind of emotion that we don't want, we don't have to fight it, nor do we need to fix it. And I don't know about you all, but I know that this desire to fix things is such uh, a pattern, right? Like something comes up, I don't wanna feel this way. The, the, the last thing I will ultimately come to is the, the commitment to sit with it. The first thing I'll come to is, oh, okay, how can I get rid of this? How can I fix this problem, right? Um, I'm having this doubt, this self-doubt. Okay, so how can I fix it? What, what, what do I need to do to, to, to get over it? Um, we love to turn all these like emotions and feelings that we have that we don't like into problems that need to have solutions. Um, and yet, really, I think um, the radically different path that practice is suggesting to us is what would it be like just to sit with it, just to let it be, to experience it, to really become intimate with it. Um, so, um, and I think we just need to become very familiar with our patterns. And for a while, that's gonna be just familiar with the pattern of like getting lost in the impulse to fix things, to see everything that comes up that we don't like as a problem that somehow needs to have a solution. Um, and the more intimate, the more familiar we become with that pattern, the, the quicker we can begin to catch ourselves when we get lost in it. say, oh yeah, I'm doing that again. Um, and I think the thing is, um, these kinds of, the kinds of things that we say no to, you know, 
when we've been practicing for a while, they're not, they are going to, by definition, be at the edge of what we can tolerate. Um, it's not, these are not like, oh, I don't like the flavor of this. Oh, I don't like that smell. Or, you know, the simple kinds of aversions, right? Or we can, we can, we can sort of cultivate some kind of equanimity. But that, that fear we have that actually deep down, maybe we think we're just not good enough. Um, or that we'll always be alone. The other people won't really understand and accept us as we are. Um, for each of us, it'll be different. But for each of us, eventually what will come up will bring us to the edge and maybe beyond of what we can tolerate. And this is not a bad thing, even though it may feel like nothing could feel worse to us in our life. Um, yesterday, last, last Sunday, um, at the very end of uh, this class, um, someone asked about his sort of inveterate um, desire to sort of track his progress in meditation. You know, always wanted to know whether a sitting was good or bad, right? Um, and I, I said a few words in response to that, and I just, I want to re revisit just for a moment a little bit what I said. It's, it's, it's not a good idea to, um, uh, though it's very tempting to, uh, to see how we feel during a sitting and sort of measure and try to track our progress. Oh, that, that was a good sitting. Or, or no, that wasn't a good sitting, right? Or based on how clear we felt or how calm or whatever it may be, whatever kind of criteria we're using in our own mind to judge whether a sitting was quote unquote good or bad. Um, because as we progress through practice, as we sort of go along this circuitous journey, um, the very fact that our practice is deepening may mean that certain things that are very unpleasant that we may not want to experience are starting to arise. Um, we, we, we will first of all start to become much clearer about our mental patterns. And for a long while, that can actually make us feel a little bit like crazier than we did before we started meditating. Like, Cause we're starting to see with much more clarity. Oh my God, like this, like this endless, you know, chatter that's going on. I really am kind of crazy. And the truth is all of us are a little crazy, but like we didn't quite realize that because we didn't really see very clearly how like, well, what, what our minds were doing. And meditation allows us to see that more clearly. And so there's a, point at which actually like you know uh, you it's a little bit of a shock to start to understand to start to see clearly what the mind is actually like and so a person who feels that and doesn't really kind of understand how to uh, to to how to understand it might think that practice actually is not working for them actually they're they're, they're not only not making progress they're regressing you know like practice is actually like making them feel worse. But in fact, it could be a sign that the practice is actually like really sinking in, really deepening for them. So it's one simple way in which, you know, correlating how a particular meditation session feels to how your meditation practice as a whole is going, it's not a good idea. But then also, as you start to settle into sitting practice, 
And perhaps precisely because you start to experience moments of quiet, moments of calm, moments of settling. Certain kinds of psychological content will start to arrive, um, start to emerge, which some of which can bring us to our edge, things that we really don't want to feel, maybe thoughts that we had managed to keep at bay, anxieties that we managed to keep at bay, but because we've been sitting, have started to bubble up in consciousness. And again, a person who's experiencing that might say, uh oh, what's going on? I'm backtracking, I'm regressing. This isn't really working for me. And yet, it could also be very much a sign that the practice is working beautifully, is actually progressing in a very, uh, um, you know, in a powerful way. And so, um, unfortunately, it's at moments like this that I think a lot of people, after kind of um, sort of um, beginning to practice meditation, may turn away, may actually just leave the practice completely, because they will maybe after a brief honeymoon, oh, say, oh, wow, that, that first month or two of sitting was amazing. Like I start to feel calm. And then somehow actually like it starts to not feel that good regularly. Like there's something starts to bubble up, maybe certain emotions or feelings that, um, that you had, you know, maybe didn't realize were there at all, or maybe you had thought would, were long in your past. And in any case, start to arise. And they'll say, this isn't, this isn't working for me. Maybe it's not, maybe I'm not cut out for this, or maybe this practice isn't good. I'm just going to stop. Um, but all that's happening is that the practice is allowing us to come face to face with our edge. And that's why it's so important to see experiences like this as actually opportunities rather than as problems. Um, when we see stuff coming up, when we experience stuff coming up, that's difficult. This doesn't mean something's wrong with the practice. It actually may mean that this is exactly what the practice is showing us we need to turn to, turn towards, if we want to um, really open to the wholeness, the fullness of who we are. And I'm just going to read now the, the last paragraph of this text just to, to wrap this up. The fundamental point is that until we become intimate with our difficulties and fears, until we can welcome them with curiosity, they will always limit our ability to laugh. In other words, the path of living from genuine kindness requires giving our willing attention to the very things that seem to block the way to it. I think this is one of the most difficult things um, to kind of really accept about this path, which is that the very things that seem to be um, obstacles, problems, difficulties, um, are actually the path itself, are actually the path that we need to tread. Um, and so when practice brings difficulties up, it's not a problem which we need to find a solution to, but rather indication of what we need to turn our attention towards. 
The difficulty is that, of course, many of us, and I think maybe all of us, come to practice precisely to avoid those things. Um, and so somehow to, to have to accept that actually what practice is asking of us is that we turn towards the things that we came to practice to get away from. It's not a pill that most of us want to swallow. And this will be another moment where a lot of people will turn away from practice, saying, no, that's not why I'm here. This is precisely not why I'm here. It was to get away from all of this. But if we can find a way, and this is where like technique has its limit. There's no technique that can show us how to turn towards that which we don't want to face. No method that anyone, any teacher, anyone, any book could tell us, right? There would be not, no trick to this. It's an existential kind of reorientation. Can I turn towards that which I don't want to accept? But if we can do that, then I think miraculous changes can happen in both our relationship to ourselves and to others, our, our ability to love, that which we don't want to accept in ourselves, um, which of course keeps us closed off from others around us as well. So um, I'm wondering I'm, how um, all of you relate to this idea of um, saying yes even to to the voice in us that says no, and how it feels for you in your own practice and what you have found to help you when you come across those moments when you say no, no, I just don't want this. How have you found the will or the willingness to still say yes to that? Um, this is something that I think um, this is so challenging um, and um, something that I think uh, we can help each other with just by, just by sharing what it's been like to, to come across these moments and to, 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 to be able to like stay with them right? rather than in our different ways, turn away and close ourselves off, which is so tempting. Um, so any thoughts or any questions about any of anything that we've done tonight? Amanda. Yeah, thank you for all of that. Um, I have, I found a lot more questions popping up, though maybe I could share the context, which is also kind of an answer to your own question. Um, I've, I appreciate the um, constant reminder to come back to sound or the anchors of some sort as a way of actually forcing myself to deal with the things I don't want to, the things I say no to, because by coming back to the anchors, I then notice myself leaving the anchors for the same reason mm -hmm. again and again and again. And the, the sheer repetition of that is like, oh, I guess that's the thing that I'm saying no to. Um, but at the same time, I can get very 
distracted or that that's not I can then go too much down or it feels in the moment like I'm going too much down the thing I want to say no to it feels more like spiraling of thoughts Mm -hmm. um and and not and I stop hearing you I stop hearing the sounds around me and so I'm curious then like what I feel like this is a little bit counter to everything you just said but what do I do with that (laughs) like with those moments of um kind of balance I guess staying present without going too deep down the thing that you're rejecting. Yeah. Um, It's a really good question, Amanda. It's a really important question. I think um, certain things that will come up will um, almost be so charged, right? That we, we, we get sucked into them. Right. Um, The issue then becomes not like, uh, like, decline to turn away from them, but actually how can we not drown in them, right? Um, And so um, uh, it depends. I mean, this is where I think, um, you know, I mean, I'd be happy to chat with you one-on-one at some point because it might might like require like a longer conversation about the nature of the stuff that's pulling pulling you in in this way. But there can be, like uh, emotional content or memories that are so charged, perhaps even traumatic in nature, right? That um, that uh, that you, um, you what what you actually need to do is be able to cultivate some space, you know. So like it's it's so like eventually the the goal will be be to be able to hold it in awareness, right? To be able to like turn towards it, but um, at first one might need to cultivate the ability to not become lost in it. And so actually like, um, so you're right, it is a little bit the opposite, but sometimes, and this is why there's not like, there's no like just clear cut scientific method, right? It depends. Um, And so it may be that actually um, staying grounded in the body, right? Um, uh, Something to keep, or like um, even like, something to, to enable you to not get sort of pulled into the spiraling thought patterns, as you put it, I think can be really important. And you can even um, do things like sort of like, um, like move, you know, your body a bit, like, you know, um, move your hands a little bit to keep, to make the sensations more vivid, easier to stay connected to, right? Um so um, if you feel like it's it's too much, like you're actually like, and that's why I think the um, the multiple anchors is really useful. If you if you know that you can't actually hold the awareness of sound and breath and body while also be attending to this thought, if the thought pulls you down, if it's as if it's like a whirlpool, and you don't you're not aware, you don't hear my voice, you don't you don't, you're not aware of sounds around you anymore, then I think it's a good idea to pull back a little bit. Um, So, um, yeah, I mean, so I think doing something to pull yourself back in those kind of moments is um, a healthy practice. Does Does this resonate with what you're talking about? Does it help? Yeah, totally. I really, I like the idea of the slight movement yeah that i haven't tried it but it it, i can immediately see how that could be useful thank you okay good 
Does anyone else have anything they like to bring up or ask about? Well, wait. Yes. Yeah, so oh. Wait. Go uh, ahead. Uh, Elizabeth, did you have your hand up? Yeah. Go ahead, please. Thank you. Um, it. I have a quick question. I, I found this really moving, and so I will just say that. And um, I'm new to this group, so I'm very really grateful to have found you all um, because being in some sort of community even with my own thoughts is one of the things that I find um, I, I'm, I'm not someone who cries but I'm going to cry but some, something that I really find helpful is just being um, knowing that I'm not that I'm, I'm here with other people and that I'm, and, and the words that you're saying about just reminding the constant reminder that it's resistance is, is always there. <laughs> and the things we want to say no to are always there. Um, they may take different forms and they may have different emotional weight. Mm -hmm. So thank you is really mostly what I wanted to say. And then on a very um, practical standpoint, would you, mind putting in the um, chat the um, text that you were reading from? Um, Elizabeth, are you on the email list? I am. Was okay. it? Okay. I'll just send it out to the whole list. Okay. I would love that. Thank okay. you. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, good to have you here. And I'm, I'm glad that you, you found us as well. And yeah, um, yeah this is a, it's, this is a wonderful group. I'm, that's why I'm here because of all the other people who come regularly. It's, it's, I'm grateful for this group too. Thank you. Okay, so um, it got a little late. So um, this is if if questions come up um, about this, um, you know, we're always circling around the same things. So just bring it up some other week. All right. Okay. Um, so can we sit together for thirty seconds? Just thirty seconds tonight in silence. I like to end with silence rather than than speech. And so I'll tell everyone when thirty seconds is up, and then we'll say good night. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for being here. It's good to see you all. Thank you so much, Bernie. This was such a peaceful sitting. Thank you. Thanks, Jane. Take care. Good night, everyone. Thank you, Bernie. So good night. Good night. Good night. Thanks for Thank being you. here.